Hello, friends. Welcome, welcome, I mean to say, to another edition of Crusher Talk. I've missed talking to you. Um, I won't go too much into this because I hate when you're watching a YouTube video or something and they're like, I was so busy. I'm so sorry. I mean, who cares? I'm here now, right? But um, I was sick. With, I am sick with a cold uh, that I've had for about a, about a week. I did miss a week, but planned to come back um, last Tuesday and I just had the most horrendous cold. It was not COVID. I I know that I got it from our Los Angeles area shows that we did um, at the end of February, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So, um, you know, you win some, you lose some. You go out there and you do your best and you play your show, but, you know, you never know. You might just catch something. That's it. I mean, isn't that exactly what we've learned during this pandemic, that every single thing we choose to do is a calculated risk? And I'm just glad, I mean, I got it, our drummer Sam got it, a friend who was at the show, Erica, got it, the same cold, and um, at least it wasn't COVID, so there you go. In any, anyway, any way you slice it, I am here today, and today I was thinking about just really loving on some of the people that have um, come together to to make the last couple of LA shows so great and so special, and um, a lot of times the most interesting thing, you know, that comes out of, um, playing for people in a live setting is all of the people that come together to make that happen. And it's always such a huge, like motley crew of supporters and friends and chance encounters. And it's just a really cool cast of characters. I was thinking about all the people that I would associate with the last two shows and it's like the coolest cast of characters and so much fun music to discuss and maybe you guys would enjoy that. So um, basically uh, we went down and we played a show in San Pedro and um, we played at this place called the Sardine, which is a really cool venue. It has a reputation for just being a very um, relaxed and just sort of a punk rock venue. There's a bar in the front, then there's a large area in the back. I don't know if it's large, um, maybe like a 200 person area, maybe a little less than that, actually, maybe 150. I don't know. Small, small, small to medium, I guess. If you're talking about punk shows, it's like, man, you could play a basement and there could be 50 people crushed in a basement. So it's kind of hard to quantify, but there's a, a pretty good sized space for a band. There's a stage, there's a sound guy, got all the gear, obviously. I mean, not every place has this. Um, but the, sort of you walk in, there's kind of this funky bar in the front where the regulars, the San Pedro regulars, and they are unique people, aren't they? The San Pedrins of the world. It's a harbor port town. Uh, south uh, in, in Los Angeles County um, over near Long Beach. And uh, I always say, you know, you don't just pass through San Pedro. You have to plan to go there because it's a little like falling off the face of the earth and you just keep heading uh, heading south until you hit um, Sunken City, which is what I remember from my uh, younger days hanging out there. It was a uh, an old housing development, I think, that was built around World War II that never came to be and sort of fell into the ocean. And now it's covered in um, 
spray paint and stuff. You could Google it if you want to check it out. It's called Sunken City in San Pedro. But I digress. Um, great little venue. There's a little area in the back for people to hang out and talk, a little outdoor area that was really popular. And the whole thing was just a great, very casual, but warm and welcoming vibe. Um, the owner is Todd, who owns Recess Records, and he was really a nice, nice guy. And uh, we ended up sending, uh, selling quite a bit of merch, which was great. I, I wouldn't say that the um, uh, the audience turnout was like insane. It was a pretty healthy turnout. Um, but I was surprised the San Pedro people came out and they were buying shirts and they were buying vinyl. And um, there was even a group of, of guys in some sort of nautical sailor um like they had like these matching sweaters and we were, they were, they were moshing in a very interesting manner. And my friends and I were like, in, you know, kind of like um, creating all these backstories for them that they were sailors and they had just gotten off this boat and they had been on the sea for a while. <laughs> and, um, you know, some places are just great for people watching and San Pedro is definitely that place. So um, my good friend, Lindsay Shaver, who owns, the punk rock record store slash clothing slash patches slash books store, uh, dead rockers in long beach, um, who lives in San Pedro through a little barbecue for us, which was so kind. It's so nice when there's food available, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's funny. It's like you, you wouldn't, you would think you would just have food on hand at all times in the van, but the food comes and goes so quickly. It's like hard to hold on to snacks, substantial snacks. So she made this hot vegan barbecue meal and we had burgers and sausages and lots of sparkling water, got all high, got nice and hydrated. And this was very integral, I should say, because we drove from San Luis Obispo to downtown LA prior to going south to San Pedro. Oh man, what a traffic you know, clusterfuck that was. Um, but we first stopped. So we, we drove four hours down to LA and then we went to downtown LA to do a practice. And the reason we did that is this was our first, um, shows with our new friend, John Miller, who, when you hear the new album, you're going to hear some, um, work from him. He's done some great guitar work as well as some backing vocals that are just out of they're insane out of this world insane so good um it was our first show with him two shows with him and so um kitten robot records our record label bruce over there uh recommended this uh practice space called kid row studios so we we came into downtown la and we went straight into the studio i'm sorry the practice space and i have to say this place really exceeded our expectations and i have i cannot say enough good things about this place it's called Kid Row Rehearsal Studios. It's in downtown LA. Um, they have, I want to say, three or four little rooms in there. Nothing big, like, um, you know, kind of, you you almost wouldn't know it. it you kind of go through this little alleyway and you see this pink wall and you turn down there and then there's this gate and you go in and it's so cool inside. Nice and clean. They have this great wall of this uh, this guy, like, stage diving Um into a crowd, old black and white photo, and then a great wall of all these old punk flyers, you know, old LA punk flyers, which I thought was a really nice touch. But the rooms themselves were extremely well equipped. Um, it's about $30 an hour. If you if you do a weekend, you do have to book two hours, um, which I'm glad we did because we had such a hard time with traffic. Um, 
we ended up spending an hour and, and wasting an hour. So we did room two and it was a 16 by 16 room all set up. We literally brought in our guitars, um, as well as our microphones and uh, cymbals because those are, you can rent those or bring those. And we just brought those for ourselves, and we just plugged in. They had a couple amps. They had a Fender Blues Deluxe and a Fender Hot Rod Deluxe, um, a great Pearl drum kit, uh, ready to go, um, really nice uh, PA system. They even have a projector screen so you could like test out your projector art, which we do have. Both venues that we played, uh, we weren't able to use our projector art, sadly, which is, you know, the video that plays behind the band. But this room was great. It was perfect. It wasn't a big room, but it was just enough. Um, like I said, it was clean. It was, it was modern. Everything was plugged in, ready to go. We came in, we came out and um, the people there were super nice and super kind. And, um, it was actually kind of funny after I came out and I was chatting with the owners and I was just like, you know, this is great. Thank you so much. Like you will come back. And this really saved our asses because, uh, John had only played our songs, you know, through Spotify, you know, he like listened to our songs and played along, you know, at, at his house in LA. And, and so it was nice to get together and have that feel of how, you know, it was going to go. And they were really cool. They were just like, they were like, yeah, you guys sounded great. You know, somebody walked by and just thought you were, they were, you were like playing pre-recorded music, <laughs> which just made me laugh because inside we're all kind of, we were sweating so hard because it was really hot that day and passing around this water jug and like, you know, John's trying to get the right tone for his guitar because you know, I've got this really high, um, piercing, no bass in my guitar. It's all just, um, treble and it's all this cutting reverb high on the high end, you know, broken glass is kind of the sound of my guitar. And then Reed's got this super hairy, super fuzzy bass, distorted bass. And so he's trying to figure out the gain and the crunch and what, where his tone is going to be in the middle of that and also pull through. And, um, you know, Sam is over there just sweating his face off. <laughs> I felt bad for him. Um, and uh, I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, I'm like, you just say that to everybody. But they were super cool, um, the owners. And it turns out actually that uh, one of the people I know on Instagram, who's a really nice friend and supporter who just kind of cheers us on, was saw that we were there and was like, oh, my cousin owns that place. You know, it's a small world. And generally, I think good people find each other. And I just have to say, Kid Rose Studios, my hat's off to you. That was a great experience. I felt like I had a show before I had a show. I could hear everything. In my own little practice space, you can't hear anything. It's just like sound bouncing off the walls. We don't really have the soundproofing. We don't have the foam. Our PA, you know, is not, it's not the best. And so I just wanted to say, like, thank you so much to them. And if you're ever in that area and you need a rehearsal space, go check it out. Um, also check out obviously Todd and the Sardine. And anyway, so that was kind of the beginning of our journey on Friday night and then heading to that barbecue um, with Lindsay, who, like I said, owns Dead Rockers. She's got a really cool shop. It's on 4th Street. We're actually kind of where uh, I used to live on 4th and Walnut down there on Long Beach at this little apartment. And it was a crazy, crazy time in my life. And whenever I come back, I'm always shocked to see how much it's changed and it's been updated. And there's all these fancy restaurants and, um, 
her little her little punk rock shop is a little bit farther down over near V Room, so um, more towards going towards downtown. It's in the um, Arts District. They call it re- Retro Row on Fourth Street, but um, she's a little off the main drag there on Fourth Street. So you gotta put in your Google Maps and go find her and go and check out all of the amazing records she's got. All these exclusive. Uh, cool vinyl that she's doing with these legacy punk bands. I mean, bands is, I'm like, how did you even get this going? Like, this is amazing. Um, did some stuff with Blitz and The Craze and a bunch of other bands. And so you just have to go check it out for yourself. And The Partisans, which is crazy because that was like one of her favorite bands when we were in high school. She loved The Partisans. Um, a bunch of bands from all over the world. So Go and check her out. Go check out Dead Rockers. She also ships online. So um, if you're into like, you know, punk tees and like band tees or whatever, um, she's got a lot of stuff like that and a lot of home goods. Um, so um, one also thing that kind of happened and I'll go into like Saturday night. We were at the Redwood Bar in L.A. Uh, Eddie over there booked us. Um, Eddie is the booker at Redwood Bar. It's Redwood Bar is sort of like it's in downtown L.A. It's a sort of like a. Um, it's sort of like a pirate theme, not pirate theme. That makes it sound like it's cheesy, but it really is kind of like if you, if the Krusty Krab from SpongeBob was a real place because everything's wooden, there's an oil painting of a ship, you know, that kind of thing. But it's not cheesy in any way. It's like a very vibey place. I like, I like that. It's actually really dark, almost, oh, definitely too dark for me because I was in the corner trying to set up my merch in the dark. <laughs> this is no shade at the venue, but anyone who's played the Redwood Bar knows that there's just not a great place to set up merch, and it's dark. And I'm over there after the show, literally with my – I have these little Christmas lights that I light up around the merch, and I'm, like, holding them, like, dancing with the Christmas lights, like, hey, I'm in this dark corner. Come over here. <laughs> but, you know, the darkness really adds to the vibiness. It's just – it's got a really swanky feel, and – uh Eddie over there has been trying to book us for like the past two years. And it's just like, can you do this date? No. Can you do that date? No. Pandemic stuff. Blah, 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 blah. So it was great. And um, yeah, he's in a band called Electric Children. And I believe he's writing a book about his like memories of Redwood Bar and kind of like crazy stories, I think, I saw on Facebook. Um, But uh, we played with a a Barrio Tiger, which is sort of like a hometown hero kind of L.A bar band. And I say that in the nicest possible way. I mean, like very motorhead, very high octane rock and roll. Just it's hard, you guys. It's hard to be a rock and roll band and not be a cheese ball. I mean, it's hard to be a like a straight faced rock and roll band and not be corny. Um, and they brought so much energy and so much intensity to their performance. My God. I was pretty damn glad that they that they uh, headlined, which is what I wanted. I was like, you know, we're just not that band that's going to close out the night. <laughs> not on this night. Not with this bill. And they were great if you want to check them out. <clears throat> I'm not sure how much stuff they have. I, I get the feeling they're a little bit more of like a local favorite. And they're a local hero kind of band, which is great. I remember being in a band like that with Magazine Dirty. And it was always so fun. And it was great to see at Redwood how people were, I mean, I was trying to get to the bathroom during their set and it was like trying to get through a brick wall. I mean, it was great turnout, real packed. And um, I should say that Jiffy Marks, um, which is members of the band Autogram from Canada, 
opened both of these shows and actually put both of these shows on. So I have to thank um, Jiffy Marks and he, he was great. Uh, his real name's Jeff, but we'll call him Jiffy. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, I started, so they started up a conversation with me on Facebook, like, Hey, do you want to play some shows in LA? And I'm like, well, we're not a local band, but we'll play. I mean, I'm, I'm usually pretty open if I like the band and We'll travel, you know. We have some. We have a, a foothold in in uh, Southern California, and you know, we have a label there and stuff. But I was very like, you know, I disclosed that, you know, I'm like, I don't know how many how many will draw. We haven't played LA since before the pandemic. Isn't that nuts? I hadn't played since maybe 2017 or even eight. Maybe probably 2018 or 19. Um, and they were really great, really kind, the nicest guys. There were they, So they played as a two-piece because their bass player couldn't make it out. They were going to cancel it because of the, the pandemic stuff. And there was even a point when they were like, maybe we'll just cancel. But I love that they came through and were like, you know what? We're just going to play these shows. I know everything sucks. There was a lot of stuff with like venue capacity being wonky and are we wearing masks? Are we not wearing masks? Are people coming to shows? Are we showing vaccine cards? You guys know, I mean, everybody around the entire world knows that there's, there was, there is, there is continuing this sense of what can we do? How can we do it? Is this going to work out? It's like this precariousness that tinges everything right now. Absolutely. Putting on shows has always been a crapshoot. Absolutely. Half the time you spend a ton of energy for something that perhaps didn't yield exactly the results you wanted. I mean, maybe more than half. It's a grueling racket. Being in the music industry is you have to love every everything about it or else you're going to totally not do it because it's a lot of work. But on top of that, with the COVID stuff, I had such admiration for them to come all the way from Canada to do their run of shows, which I believe were successful for them. Todd at Recess Records had a, a stash of their vinyl because they, I guess he's helped them with doing vinyl in the past. So they didn't have to worry about the border and bringing merch over. So they had some vinyl, really beautiful vinyl, actually. It's like a clear with a splatter of like neon yellow and, and blue, really gorgeous. Their new record, if you want to check that out, I'll link to that. Uh, by the way, they're, so um, Jiffy Marks is like a very sort of like, Tongue, like very like nod of nod to the eighties, like kind of cars, you know, uh, power kind of power poppy synthy. Um, I should say autogram is that, um, and and I will link to their record. But Jiffy Marks is the side project that kind of has members of autogram and other people. I'll link it so you guys can see. But um, their side project is, project is a lot more rock and roll and just kind of simple, which is good because when you're a two piece. You got to be, you got to find a way to make simple interesting. And they, they did, they did a great job. Um, so I just really admired that. I thought that was a great way to go about it. And they, they made time to go like do stuff and see stuff and do fun stuff in LA. And I just thought that was really cool. So, um, hats off to them for just being cool people and for asking us to play really great. Um, the show went really well. And I have to say a couple people came out that I was just like, you know what? I got to give him some love. So, um, there's a guy named Charlie. I won't, I won't blast his full name, but he lives down in San Diego and he's been, um, coming up to Southern California and going to Lindsay's shop at dead rockers and asking for 
you know, Crusher stuff and she's, she's all, she's tickled pink, you know, cause she's uh, one of my best friends. And so she texts me, you have a fan. <laughs> and, um, we've been texting back and forth about like, you know, he, she, you know, got him a coloring book and I was telling her, you know, oh, he's been contacting me about pl- taking photos. Charlie, if you're listening, I'm, I'm saying this all in a loving way. And, um, he was really adamant about coming up from San Diego and taking photos and he did and he did a great job and it was just great to see somebody who, you know, also not not unlike the Jiffy Marks guys who's like I want to see this band. I'm going to drive and go see them. Make the drive and I'm going to I'm going to take photos and this is what I'm going to do and it just was cool. You know, that's really the that's the punk ethic is is what do you want to do? go do it, you know, and don't let anything get in your way and, and don't be intimidated. And, and why should you be, um, you absolutely should never be intimidated to, to talk to artists. I, I, I try not to be, and I usually am not because we're all really just trying to do our best. I told him, I'm like, I'm so glad you're here because it's our second show with, um, this new guitar player and our, third show with this new drummer and it's going to be a shit show and we're going to have a blast, you know, because that's what it is. And, uh, to try to control or be perfect about it is just ridiculous. So it was just great that he came and took photos. You can see his photos on our Instagram. Um, thought that was really sweet. Thank you, Charlie, for that. That was really sweet. Another gal came, um, who I know from Instagram, Megan, who is a set designer. No, I'm sorry. Costume designer, uh, for, uh, Hollywood, you know, industrial complex. And, uh, she came out too and she was really cool. And we just chatted about music and, um, Jacaranda and, and what that song meant to her. And it was cool to hear like what that song meant. I've heard, I've heard a couple people's talk about how the Jacaranda song and the chorus, which is basically just the Jacarandas are blooming. Like it's funny. Cause in my mind, uh, when I wrote the song, like when the jacarandas were blooming, it was kind of pushing me to, 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 to take a risk and take a leap and to, to move on in some ways in my life. But some people have told me that it gives them hope or it makes them feel like there's something beautiful right where they are and they don't need to change anything. And, and I think that the song can be both things and it is both things. It's like, you know, bloom where you're planted. And also, you know, I, we all have that feeling of like wanting to, to move forward and do new things in our lives. So it was just kind of cool. I mean, I don't really get that. I certain most bands certainly right now haven't gotten any of that face to face interaction about music. And so just as she was talking to me, I was just thinking like, this is a rare moment. This is special and I should focus on it. And I want to share that with you guys because it really does mean a lot when you do contact artists that, um, you like. And, and for me, it's not about any sort of fandom. It's more about, wow, you know, that feeling I had when I wrote that song went out to someone else's heart and it affected them. And isn't that what we're all looking to do? Um, that's a beautiful thing. And I just wanted to just put that in the universe that I loved that. Thank you, Megan, for coming. (laughs) Or I think her name on Instagram is stoned flamingo. There is something funny that happens though when you meet these people from the internet. I'm like such a nerd that I'm like, wait, are you that person? Because I never know and I just feel like it's really hard to keep people straight and to know from photos and I tend to like people so much more in real life anyways. I'm like, oh, you're so much cooler in real life. I mean, I'm cooler in real life, that's for sure. 
I wouldn't hang out with the internet version of me. I would not. Um, so yeah, you know, with the help of, of Sam on drums and John, we, we made it all happen. We had our friend power pop, power pop, Jeff from shake some action LA. He does events. He's a DJ guy. He played some great songs and, uh, he, he spun some vinyl and that all made it very festive, festivitous, <laughs> festive, I guess is the word. So thank you, power pop Jeff for that great, uh, DJ set on Saturday. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, we came home and I was filled with a lot of appreciation, stayed at my friend Leslie's in, um, Hollywood. Uh, we usually park our van outside of her place on Warring Avenue and, uh, in East Hollywood. And, um, it was just nice to, to see friends and, uh, just spend some time in a new environment. And I mean, this all sounds so silly, but you know, for us, for us bands out there, you guys, for us small bands that haven't been playing shows, it really is kind of crazy and really beautiful, especially since we're moving soon. So if you have a chance to come to any of our last shows and I say last meaning for a while, we'll come back. I'm not abandoning my home. California is my home and I love California so deeply, but we'll be back. But we do have shows, you know, got one this Sunday in Morro Bay, California. And then I will, I will announce this. I'll announce it because you know what, if it gets canceled and whatever, I don't have that many listeners here. So if this doesn't happen, whatever, we just got asked to play, to open for a, a band, which I will, I'll leave that unknown because I don't want to blast them and I'll wait for them to announce it. But we got asked to play the Viper Room in Hollywood, in West Hollywood, on April 2nd. So that's a Saturday. So we'll be in, at the Viper Room. Um, and I'll confirm it officially soon. But you guys, we're not official here, are we? If we were official here, then <laughs> there'd be a lot more production value. So um, speaking of that, I did record a new podcast with my good friend Danielle the Murkrusher Bagnall, which you can check out at Sparkle and Destroy Pod, where we just kind of gab and talk about sea otters and books and music and kind of make each other laugh. So check that out. Um, so yeah, and I think the last thing I'll leave you with, cause I've just really wanted to do a lot, like, let's just do a shout out to all the things I'm loving and just people that are keeping me going right now. Um, there is a, a writer who I've been really, and con- she's a writer, comedian, and podcaster that I've been just devouring her content. And when I say content, I don't mean social media. I mean, her podcasts, I guess mostly her podcasts. Um, but she is a writer and comedian. I, I got to check out her stand up, and I believe she lives in Los Angeles. And I have just been freaking loving her. And because I am sort of a scatterbrained person, I am going to forget how to say her name. So let me pull it up. Uh, what's her name? Oh my gosh. Am I crazy? Why why is it not showing up? Okay, give me a second here. So her podcasts are she's got so she's kind of several several podcasts. Um and the way she does her podcast is she just gets really obsessed with something and then does a podcast about it. Which I have hyper focus where I get really into one thing. I know a lot of people that do, creative people that do. I love that she goes on these deep dives that just make me want to go down it too. And I've just been binging her stuff. Okay, it's Jamie Loftus, which is not even hard to say. But her last name is L-O-F-T-U-S. I'll link her. She's got a podcast 
like a 10-part podcast on uh, the book Lolita, which not only talks about the book, which I haven't read, actually. I need to read it. Even if you haven't read the book, it's fantastic. Um, talking about the cultural ramifications of Lolita, Lolita in fashion, Lolita in culture, um, sexualizing of, of young women in our culture. She takes a theme and just explodes it, you guys. And she's so funny the way she does it. And she's so smart. Um, I love the Lolita podcast. It goes into background on the author, um, Nabokov, and his life. And um, she just has a way of looking at everything in a prism that is just her, her brain is gorgeous. She's got a gorgeous brain. She's also got one that I didn't like as much, but it's you might like it if you're kind of a snarky millennial, um, it, which is my year in Mensa. You know, Mensa is the, the group where um, everybody takes an IQ test and if they get a high enough score, they get led into this exclusive group, which I believe costs like 40 bucks a year or something to be in. But she gets into Mensa, which is not hard to do, by the way. And then kind of like infiltrates it from the from the inside. And, you know, she's going in their Facebook group and she's learning about them and she's kind of, you know, kind of poking fun a little bit. But I thought that that it was not my favorite one. Um, the one I just listened to that she did was, is called ACCast, which is a podcast, you guys, entirely about the comic strip Kathy. You guys remember that from the funny pages on Sunday? I remember this. Kathy, Kathy um, Geisner, I believe is the author of that comic strip who wrote the comic strip about her own inner insecurities and about the greater issues that women face in the world, especially coming up in the late 70s into even the 90s and 2000s, because the strip went from late 70s, you know, which I believe was um, third, second wave feminism or third wave, something like that. It was in the next wave of feminism. Um, up into the 2000s. And the way that this strip progresses, it shows so much about our culture um, and also just about a lot of the insidio in insidious stuff that women have to deal with. But it's all done in a really humorous way. And, and it's funny too, I think she likes to take topics that are misunderstood. Like Lolita is absolutely misunderstood as a book and what the author was trying to do um, is, not is not a, it is not a, a good thing that um, an old man is preying on a young girl at all. It is actually a bad thing. Um, with cat with the uh, ACK cast, um, and it's called ACK because you know Kathy in the in the comic strip says ACK all the time. She's always talking about chocolate and shoes and, and and anyways, she she sees how Kathy is misunderstood and how modern day feminists want to just kind of sweep her under the rug as if she's like not cool and like she's not that feminist because. You know, she was always concerned about whether she was balancing home life and work life, which is something women still deal with today. This idea that they're supposed to have it all and yet they don't have it all. And they also have to look like a supermodel. And so she kind of like debunks that whole theory that she that Kathy is like this useless, you know, old dead old horse. And it actually made me have so much love for the the author of the strip who she interviews and talks to in the book. So I'm the book. This is my book report. Man, I would do great with book reports um, if I did book reports now, but in the podcast, I mean. <laughs> so check her out. She's just a delight. And the way that she, I would love to know how she researches things. She'd be a great journalist if she ever stuck to one topic. Um, she's also got a podcast called The Bechdel Cast, 
Um, it's about uh, the portrayal of women in movies, and it's with two other women. I'm, that's the one I'm going to start on next. And before you start thinking this is going to be some horrible women's studies class, it's not like that, you guys. It's just from a perspective that we don't often hear in media. So it's not that it's all about how men suck and everything's hard for women. It's just this is a perspective, a very unique perspective that I feel like is my internal monologue all the time, but it's being expressed and it's very validating. So if that sounds good to you, I would check out Jamie Loftus. I'm loving her. Um, with that, I that's all I'm going to leave you with today. This week has been... A little bit rough last week too with the, uh, I guess it's the beginning of the week, whatever, uh, with my cold. And so bear with me. I, With any luck, I will be back on my Tuesday schedule. Um, I always enjoy just putting this out into the world and thinking about who is going to hear it and wondering if I'm going to see their faces at our upcoming shows, you know? So until I see your face at an upcoming show, sparkle hard and ta-ta.